Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters for the 20th of July, 2023. I'm joined by Kelly J. Keen, otherwise known as Posey Parker. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Really good. And today we're going to be talking about how uh, we should be punching turfs. Oh, <laughs> how Nigel Farage got absolutely stitched up and uh, how one local feminist is trying to understand men. Oh. Yeah. Do you think she's going to succeed? I don't know. Who is she? Uh, Caitlin Moran? Oh, no. I think she's aptly named. No. Not a fan of hers. I think she's been a coward on this issue after supposedly being a woman that talks about anything and made her name as this working class hero. And she's, she's barely mentioned this issue, which I think is the whole turfy thing. You know, I, I, I've got a bit of a defense on her on that. But uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's begin. So. Uh, it was recently on the 8th of July, uh, London Trans Pride Day. Mm. They had a parade. Thank goodness, because we'd, for the whole month of June, we'd forgotten that they existed. We just don't speak about them enough. I know, it's terrible. Did you go? Um, no, I identified as an attendee, so... I... It's probably actually dangerous for you to go. Right? Oh, it would be 100% dangerous for yeah. me to go, yeah. Uh, we're, we're not going to be able to put this uh, segment on YouTube, so uh, the men there would probably attack you, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, with or without a skirt, 100%. Crazy world we live in, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's, and also it's justified. I think that what's worse, is that people have always be, behaved really, really badly, right? We, I'm sure both you and I know in our personal lives, people that behave really, really badly. Mm -hmm. But now they're stunning and brave. You know, someone who says, mm -hmm. I want to kill a turf is a stunning and brave, so stunning and so brave um, woman. Yeah, and they get given um, platforms, national platforms, yeah. to, uh, to spew this love yeah. speech. Especially in the Labour Party. Yeah. But uh, before we go on, uh, if you want to support us, go to thelowseeds.com. Watch my uh, Why Ideology is Theology video, where I explain why these people are basically religious. Um, because essentially, I think that they are. I'm not going to spoil it. Go and watch it. So let's see if this works. Great. Okay, so I looked up uh, London Trans Pride because uh, some interesting things happened there. Um, but the, the point of it, they say, was to celebrate the memory of trans lives taken and uphold the next generation of trans revolutionaries. Um, I think we did some research about, and in the last 10 years, yep. more people identifying as, as trans have murdered people in this country than have been murdered. I would love to see the figures. I will, I, I will find the figures. Um, but come on, we know that if there had genuinely been people uh, with trans identities murdered in this country, it would be it would be news for weeks. So we know that some people with trans identities have been murdered, mm -hmm. but we don't know that they've been murdered because uh, of that identity. Well, the only example that they can give is Brianna Gay, yeah, who was a, a trans schoolgirl who was stabbed to death on in February. Uh, but the police, if you look that up, they say, well, there's no evidence it was a hate crime. Yeah, it was just kids stabbing each other. They just do that. Yeah, and, and all too often uh, they do it, unfortunately. But there's, you know, we don't, we know that the, the kids being killed in London are black boys. We don't assume yeah. it's because they are black. We no. just think it's a, a terrible scourge on humanity, really, and on this country that anyone is, is able to get away with it quite so frequently. I just think it's fatherlessness, to be honest. Well, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, so uh, this was a protest about the harrowing oppression of the trans community. Mm -hmm. And you're aware, undoubtedly, but maybe the audience aren't, of just uh, how open they are with the messaging. 
this is the sort of thing that you'll see. This was a particular protest in Scotland. I believe that's a Scottish M. Uh, what's, a, what's a Scottish Parliament person called? Um, MSP. MSP, that's it. I believe uh, in the front there on the left, that's an MSP mm-hmm. behind a decapitate turfs sign. Oh, they're so happy though. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I eat turfs. Uh, mm. also behind and actually these are not unusual so mm. in many a protest um, or well goodness knows what they're protesting yeah they're, they're totally normal actually I mean here's another yeah. one this was from Canada don't know where this was but I love the I love the sort of uh, kill the boa that's mm. been adopted here the, the genocidal African nationalist uh, rhetoric it's so they're so beautiful it's so it's so stunning and, and fuzzy. brave um, wonderful stuff but yeah, not unusual. No, and so one of the speeches uh, from this went viral because one trans activist. Uh, well, uh, let's hear it in their own words. My name's Sarah Jane Baker. I run an organisation called the Trans Prisoner Alliance. There's over a thousand transgender prisoners, and we're counting on you out here, right? Listen. There are some really bad transgender prisons. There fucking are. I'm not going to lie to you. But there's about 980 of us who are just trying to live our lives behind bars without <laughs> testicles in male prisons against our will. Well, I was going to come here and be really fluffy and be really nice and say, yeah, be really lovely and queer and gay. Nah, if you see a turf, Punch him in the fucking face. I love that. If you see a turf, punch him in the face. I'm a woman. Mm. I mean, he is an extraordinary woman. Um, and when he said it's without, without testicles, um, you know, not well, every... Well, we'll get to that in a second, if that's all right. We'll, we'll come back to the... Um, Let's do that. The, yes. The Anyway, so Sarah Jane Baker has a website. As you can see, she's... She, he... I mean, I don't even know at this point, but... Making Britain queer again. Mm, yeah, he. I, I. I say he. Well, I never use. Uh, yeah. You know, words uh, that these people want. Um. So it's a he, and he's he's been to a couple of my events. Um. And then he's done. He's done sort of. He does this thing. It's really sinister, where he pretends he's reaching out in a friendly tone. Oh, yeah. To me. Yeah. So he sent me a lot. Uh, uh, not a lot. He sent me a couple of messages directly to me. Uh, for me to hear, which as soon as I, I, I mean, I don't engage with any of this, but yeah. um, yeah, he's he's certainly he's certainly someone I think it would be healthy to be afraid of. Well, I mean, yes, <laughs> you, and you'll understand why in a minute. In fact, chat. Um, so uh, I looked at the about section. Uh, this person is a violinist, the founder of the Trans Prisoner Alliance, a journalist, an author, an artist, an intersectional activist, and Britain's longest-serving transgender prisoner. Hmm. hmm. Uh, I spent 30 years in male prisons. I now tirelessly campaign for environmental justice as well as feminist and transgender rights. So yeah, why did they spend 30 years in prison? Perplexing. Is it because they're transgender? I guess the British state just really hates trannies. (laughs) According to uh, right-wing rag the Daily Mail, though, um, they were originally jailed for kidnapping and torturing their stepmother's brother. Gosh, that's... That's um, that's definitely a sign of being oppressed, mm. isn't it? And then at 21, uh, she, as the Daily Mail doesn't want to misgender, uh, was convicted of attempting uh, attempted murder for breaking into another prisoner's cell and trying to strangle him to death. Uh, hmm. 
Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And so they carry on telling us more about this person's life that really makes them sound like they're level-headed and being unjustly treated. <laughs> uh, they went on uh, the Anything Goes podcast with James English in 2020 and described how she had always felt uncomfortable in a male body and in December 2017 resorted to drastic measures by cutting off their own testicles. Mm, and and eating them. Right, that's not in this article. <laughs> that's that's definitely... <laughs> I, I, wouldn't take my, I wouldn't put my life on it, but I, I've read that far <laughs> too many times and I'm pretty sure I've read it in print. So right. I don't think I'm risking defamation. But we'll say allegedly. Allegedly. Ate their own Um. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't even think Ant and Deck were in the prison. I think this is just a free thing that happened. So, yeah. I mean, that's mad. Mm. Like, the, this is the sort of person who would have been sectioned. She would have been put in a Yeah, quite rightly. I mean, seriously, a, a clinically disturbed yeah. individual. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's happened to them to make them that way. And I'm, no. I'm sure that there's a very sorrowful backstory to all this. But you did kidnap and torture someone, try to murder someone else, and then cut off your own balls and allegedly eat them. Yeah. Uh, I think you should be locked up away from other people. I'm, I, I mean, how did that person get out of prison on license? Like, if there was a, a, a chance that you could have kept him in, how on earth is he out on the street? Why isn't this person receiving psychiatric care? Well, who does in these, these yeah. uh, fragile times? I suppose. Um, but, uh, I mean, he says, I've been diagnosed with a personality disorder and one of my risk factors is being impulsive. I bet. It was an impulsive decision that I made to take a prison razor blade at two o'clock in the morning and remove my own testicles. Sounds pretty impulsive. I mean... That's one way of describing it. The, the scary thing is that... I don't mean to laugh, but it's just like, what? <laughs> the scary thing is that he has attended rallies in which he has joined in, in a very aggressive and intimidating mob against women. Hmm. And the police know who he is. It's not like they they have no idea who he is. That should be that should have always been enough to yeah. put him back inside. Yeah. And apparently it wasn't. So there's just I wonder if he'd not cut his own testicles off um and pretended to be a woman. I wonder if he would be given as much leeway just as a ordinary well, maybe not ordinary is a, a dodgy word, but as a as just a bloke, whether he would be given quite so much latitude. Well, as a bloke, I'm telling you no, he wouldn't. No, I don't think so. You'd be, you'd be treated like a maniac and locked up. Yeah. I'm rightly so. To be yeah, honest. of course. 100%. <laughs> but yeah, the, um, the Baker um, learned to read and write in prison and eventually wrote a book called Transgender Behind Prison Walls. Uh, she, she now campaigns on trans issues, sometimes appearing topless at marches. Ah, stunning and brave. At least not bottomless, I suppose. Uh, and is a supporter of Eco Group's Extinction Rebellion and Insulate. <laughs> hand in hand. They go hand in hand. They do, though. Yeah, they, they do. absolutely do. It's really, I was going to say peculiar, but actually it's exactly what I expected. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, the yeah. the self-declared trans-anarchist has also announced their intention to run to become an MP for Richmond in the next election. I, oh, I, I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. But he's a good friend of the Labour Party. I mean, he's oh, yeah. Labour politicians have stood beside him. Yes. And then, not even after they found out who he was, and maybe they knew all along, mm -hmm. nobody said, FYI, I'm, I'm not big on torturing people. You know, that that's, or I'm not going to stand next to that person who is a violent, convicted criminal. Yeah, but that's because the Labour Party are kind of trapped in the paradigm where they have to be like, well, that was due to socioeconomic factors. 
they mm. torture someone and cut off his own knackers. Yeah, I must say, when I'm depressed, I often yeah. Torture. When I, when I'm unemployed, I'm just like, well, you've driven me to it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I went and had a look at Mumsnet on this, and I thought this was hilarious. How do you feel about Mumsnet? How do Mumsnet feel about you? Oh, I'm banned. Oh, are you? Yeah, right. because I. Um. <laughs> oh, who's the one? She's had a baby. Stella Creasy, oh God, who talks yeah. about having a baby all the time because yeah. nobody else has ever had one. Yeah, yeah. And she took a baby into Parliament, which, yeah. let me just say, I think is a really bad thing because then it sort of says to other women that you're a bit of a letdown if you don't drag your baby into work. And I've never seen a baby on the checkout in Tesco. It's also inappropriate, right? It's, it's really it's inappropriate. It's not the place for you. Know? No, like have some time. You're on a lot of money. Yeah. Like have a bit of time off. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so Stella Creasy um, was going on to Mumsnet and everybody was asking her two turfy sort of questions. And I said, what is a woman? And if you answer, I'll drink a bottle of Prosecco through my nose. Um, and apparently... <laughs> Didn't have to drink enough. that Prosecco, no, did you? No. no. And also I was then banned, permanently, properly banned. Right, that's interesting. Because I, I wanted to ask you about that because I've heard that Mumsnet is a turf hive. It is, but they are still quite careful with moderation because the trans activists are lunatics and they will re repeatedly yeah. target advertisers on Mumsnet and Mumsnet is a, is a business. Right. Well, I mean, uh, Mumsnet wasn't happy with this person. One person said, imagine what the response would be if a gender critical stood on stage and said, if you see a trans woman, knee him in the balls. Now, <laughs> that wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, 95% of them do have their testicles. I, I mean, know. whether, you know, some of them obviously yeah. are starving and they still have their testicles. Hmm. Anyway, so the organizers of Trans Pride uh, came out to defend themselves and they replied on Instagram for some reason because, I mean, do you have an Instagram account? I do, yeah. Oh, right. You're allowed one, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not on it much and I'm not allowed to advertise or right, right, promote right. anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just, you can't even search my name on Instagram. Well, I do have an account, but you're not allowed to find it. Um, but, uh, but anyway, they, they came out and said this, right? And this was, I thought was just genuinely interesting because normally, I mean, imagine if this was like Tommy Robinson goes up on a stage. It's like punch a Muslim in the face, you know, that he'd be in a lot of trouble and he'd be forced to, you know, he'd be depart from everything like he has been. But also the people who organized the event would have to disavow him completely, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Instead, these people say, quote, we are not denying that this was this said and happened on our stage, but it is a telling sign of your publication and your positioning towards trans plus lives and trans plus rights, any more pluses. Uh, to pick this specific moment out of all the speeches that were shared. The choice to reference and or center in your reporting on the specific moment shows whose interests you are catering to. I wish Tommy had replied with this. Uh, would you like to condemn your readers who actively spread hate and incite violence on trans folk, as is apparent in many of the comments to responses to your articles online? Uh, right, so that's, uh, yeah, we know it happened, and we think you're the bad guy. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that he literally incites violence, yeah. like by the legal and otherwise definition. Oh, yeah. Um, but apparently saying that I don't think men should be in women's changing rooms is is actually inciting violence. I mean, I guess, you know, you you mentioned the whole theology and ideology, and I'm I'm a uh, theology graduate, and I although also an atheist. Um, but I say that, and, and forever atheist, gold star. Um, but oh, I'm an atheist as well. It's so dogmatic <laughs> yeah. that they can't, nothing, now nothing can be, uh, you can't chip away at any of this because it all falls apart. So I, I get why they have to do this constant mental gymnastics to pretend that things aren't the way they are. Um, and hopefully they're just going so far that everybody else can see it. 
Well, I mean, they do finish off with their statement saying, we do not condone violence, uh, but we don't condemn violence either, which yeah. is interesting. Uh, we do not back a call to arms for violence of any kind. We do, not con- we do condone righteous anger and the right to free speech that was expressed yesterday. We will, continue, will have and continue to march in peace in love, rage, and power, London trans pride. Love, rage, and power. Oh, they're just wholesome. so poetic and eloquent, though, aren't they? That I just mean, sounds wow. Don't you just want your children to attend this? To go rage and threaten to punch women in the face? Just no. also, we don't condone violence or back a call to violence, but we condone righteous anger. Well, what righteous anger are you talking about? The other incitement to violence? Like, what? I don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they're, they're being deliberately evasive because they do in, in their hearts uh, appreciate that this person stood up on the stage and said it, in my opinion. But they know that if they came out and said Sarah Jane Baker yeah. said something that we totally disagree with, we would never condone then any whatever. The community would be a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Because there's someone in that comment just now um, that was like, "We stand, we love you, SJB." Oh God! <laughs> but it's just nuts. It's there's a there's a quote that goes around the internet that is. Communists, uh, communism is when deformed freaks get together and take all of the good things off normal people. Everything else is just window dressing. And that's basically what this is. It is. It is. Just, just, this is what this is. I'd, I'd love to, I don't, I don't expect I'll be around in like 50 or 100 years, but I, I'd love to see how, if the human race still exists, <laughs> um, if we haven't all been slowed down to, to the point of death by stop oil. Mm. Um, but I wonder how we will reflect on this spell. I mean, maybe we'll say, well, that was the end. <laughs> That was the end of civilization as we knew it. Yeah, but this, this, uh, we, well, we've got history to look at. And in new eras, they do look back on things that have happened and gone, wow, that was mad. Mm. Just simply mental. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of those times where, I mean, it's in, in like the second century, the, the Pope at the time had to issue a papal bull against Christians castrating themselves because this is not a new phenomenon. No. And it, it may well be that like they're, there, are, there is always a segment of the population that wants to be neutral and neuter, uh, and so they just find a justification to do it. Mm. You know, so who knows? But anyway, Pink News, of course, uh, took the most charitable reading of London Trans Pride's uh, wonderful statement. Yeah. Uh, and they decided, hmm, we need to ask some people for their opinions to, to bolster London Trans Pride. And we've got Peter Tatchell on the phone. Oh. <laughs> I knew you'd do that. Mm. Not a fan of his? I'm not a fan of anyone who talks about nine-year-olds having yeah. sex with adults and yeah. trying to make that okay. Yeah. I mean, call me old-fashioned. I don't want to... Oh, that is pretty you know. conservative. <laughs> uh, so uber right-wing. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it is, then yes. Okay? And that's just the way it is. But he says, uh, oh, in this toxic anti-trans atmosphere, it's important we stand together in solidarity with the trans community. There can be no LGBT, uh, LGB without the T, United, we are stronger, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, so uh, the very sane person got arrested because actually that is incitement to violence and yep. we still do have laws. Uh, what is interesting, though, <coughs> is that for some reason, the Telegraph uh, say that a person whose name ca- who cannot be named for legal reasons was filmed calling for protesters to punch turfs in the face. While you'll notice that I took the video from the Telegraph's YouTube channel with their logo all over it. And the person says, my name is Sarah Baker. I want to punch turfs in the face. Telegraph logo. And they're like, we can't be named for legal reasons. 
So, They're so gutless, aren't they? This whole, I think Ipso needs um, rebuilding from the bottom up. Yeah, but um, it's just also, you do have a video where they name themselves with your branding on it on your YouTube channel where they commit the crime that for some reason now you can't say for legal reasons. So it's like, what's this fig leaf? Well, also I've heard that he's actually gone straight back. I've heard that he's gone back to prison. Um, and, and and I've heard it's a men's prison. Right. Um, so that's quite a good... But that took a lot of women complaining to Suella Braverman. Uh, yeah. I, I, no, no, it is, it is Suella Braverman. But uh, anyway, uh, Sadiq Khan came out in, in support of the trans community in this trying time where one of their members said, punch women in the face. And he was like, oh, that's terrible for the trans community, mm. the real victims. Mm. Uh, he says uh, he is uh, a proud LGBTQI plus ally and has been clear in his support for the trans community. He's also clear that violence is never acceptable. So he's straddling that fence. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was nice. We were also told uh, an initial report from the Met uh, to the Met over inciting violence uh, said uh, it contained a bit where an officer told a complainant that it was not in the public interest to pursue the case. Yeah, I think that's in writing as mm. well. Mm. So yes, they did. Like, they, they said that the call for violence was quote hypothetical <laughs> and part of free speech. I think they Absolutely, said yeah. yeah, yeah. So calling for violence now can be just brushed off as being hypothetical and just a part of free speech anyway. So if I hypothetically, well, you know, I, I might hypothetically uh, go and steal some Chanel handbags this afternoon, hypothetically, <laughs> um, incite other people to go and raid some sort of designer shop, hypothetically. Yeah. I mean, that's, do police actually know? I don't think police know the law anymore. I don't think they're paid to know the law. No. I think they're paid to appease Twitter activists, actually. Well, as you well know, uh, police came around to my house because I was untoward about pedophiles. Yes. <laughs> Peter Tatchell was fuming. Get yeah. her, boys, get her. I mean, they clearly misspoke, right? But just I'm to joking. utter those Peter. words, to, to say those words, oh, yeah. uh, well, we've heard you were untoward about pedophiles. And I was like, well, I think of all the groups. Well, it, was, it was trending after that because it was yeah. like, well, a lot of people are actually. Yeah. And actually, that seems to be the moral position to adopt. I was like, untoward. I reckon of all the people, <laughs> untoward. I can be untoward about And how is, how is being untoward about anyone a crime? It's just. Uh, Come on. I mean, to waste, and also they, so my daughter was in my office, which is in the, mm. the, in the front of my house. And my daughter was in my office and she was 15 at the time. And they asked her her name and what she was doing, which um, didn't make me best pleased. Yeah. Well, but she we, got to do with it. Well, exactly. But we have, um, fortunately, uh, we have a police force, I think, which is one of the, one of the many um, where they've had to address male police officers' behavior towards female victims of crime mm. and trying to date them. Send them flowers, that sort of stuff. Mm. Okay. Anyway, we have a video of that person being the unnamed person being arrested, uh, and I, honestly, I thought it was genuinely quite hilarious. Under arrest on suspicion of inciting violence. You do not have to say anything that may harm your defence. If you do not mention when questioned, something which you later rely on in court. Anything you do say may be given in evidence. Um, the necessity for the arrest is to conduct conduct a prompt and effective investigation and to prevent any further attempted harm to yourself or anybody else. And have you got any response that you'd like to call? Yes. Okay. Trans rights are human rights. One struggle, one fight. Come on. <laughs> oh, that's such a shame. That is funny though, isn't it? Mm. Like, have you got anything to say? Yeah, trans rights are human rights. One struggle. Wow, shut up. <laughs> I was going to say, go cut your balls off though. Well, they're so. Are you going to play the rest of this? Yeah, 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 I'll play yeah. the rest of it. Yeah, I, I just want to pause on that because it was funny. 
<laughs> just look at the face. Come on, man. You know, you know that you are so far off the reservation at this point. But anyway. Mm. Okay. Well, it's okay like that. You're not too tight, mate. It's fine. Feel free to have some. We will be going down to Charing Cross Police Station. And if you want to have someone follow you down, you're more than welcome to. Um, and custody sergeants will explain everything from moving there forward. All right, I'm just going to hold your arm on the way down, so I don't want you to fall over or anything like that. I'm with. I wasn't treated this well, <laughs> and I've been arrested. Trans rights are human rights. They won't get rid of us. Our existence is our resistance. You remember that. I really want to know what a trans right is. It's the right to demand that you um, uh, that you uh, have the same deluded belief about who they are as they do. Well, that's the thing. Because as, as I, I asked people this on Twitter, and the only thing I ever heard is to go into the bathroom of the opposite sex. They said, "But I don't have the right to do that." No, no one's got the right to do that. No. So what are you asking for? Like, there's no and right. Also, they'll say healthcare, and and really, what healthcare means is unlike other people in this country who might have to wait for healthcare non-urgent healthcare um they don't want to wait so they want you know they want their fake breasts as soon as they can pop enough pills even if there is a genuine hrt shortage for women um they want their cross-sex hormones which they also call yeah. hrt which i think is a misnomer anyway because it's not replacing anything well that's a fair point um but that's probably also freely available on the nhs that i have to pay for yeah so what are they whining about they, they just, can never explain it. No, they, but they just want to demand that, that we all have to kind of fall in with the lie. That's what the trans rights are. Oh. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean Jonathan. to interrupt, oh, but I knew, you, I knew you'd know who this person was. Mm. This person called me hard right on Twitter the other day. Yeah. Mm. And mm. what now? <laughs> you're a communist and you're mad. I mean, so uh, He's actually quite right. I would say he's, he's before he sort of realized that he wasn't going to get any jobs anymore. Yeah. He was a little more uh, honest. Oh, I know Suze, by the way, oh, personally. Yeah. Um, and he used to, he was on a program, uh, a BBC Women's Hour, talking about how disgusting it was that women didn't shave their legs and how they shouldn't <laughs> be able to do waitress. They shouldn't be able to be waitresses <laughs> if they didn't shave their legs. And so he's really quite, oh, he's not the... He's not the sort of lefty kind of liberal. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. I'm not. I don't have an opinion on that, but he's not this. He's not who he's pretending to be. Right, right, right. I would say he's probably further right than. than but when you, you but when you adopt the mask, you have to take on all of the beliefs. Yeah. So now you're a communist, basically, whether you like it or not. Yeah. But uh, but I I just thought we'd finish this off by looking at just how bonkers these people are, right? So this person called India Willoughby says calling someone a trans-identified male rather than simply a woman. Is about as transphobic as it gets, if you say so. Uh, you okay with this, Philip Burney? Uh, she knows what she's doing, and so do you. Navarra, no, I can't pronounce that, is wrong. Someone who transitions is factually and legally a biological woman. Mm. Fact, I mean, legally, perhaps, because laws can be made to say anything. Yeah. But factually. I mean, I agree with him. Don't call them <laughs> trans-identified males. Call them men. Yes. So uh, in, in many ways, uh, Willoughby and I are on the same page. But, he, and, uh, but, but here's where I think you might diverge. Biology absolutely changes. My body chemistry is more female than Martina's. <laughs> Just have your first oh, kid. I don't believe he believes it, though. Have so, your first kid. 
Just pop one. <laughs> one. Well, he's, I mean. It, Prove it. <laughs> with Willoughby, like many of these men, what they don't tell you is that their own families um, have found it very difficult. So I'm no kidding. When he, well, he had a, a 16-year-old boy when he, son, when he came out as, actually when he pretended to be a woman, when he yeah. started pretending to be a woman. Um, and I just can't, I can't imagine doing anything so selfish as to inflict your own sort of deluded fantasy on your on your kids. Yeah, it's awful. It's really bad. I mean, especially for a son as well to watch their father become like this. Well, if it's a daughter, then they well, that can't be good either. Yeah. Well, so it's it's horrendous if it's a son. So that that brings its own kind of damage and and uh, fallout. But when it's a daughter, often what they do is they. Uh, decide that they're going to be women when their daughters go through puberty. And then they might ask daughters things like, oh, our breasts are growing, my breasts are growing, yours are growing. Uh, they'll talk about periods and stuff. And and they really bring their daughter into their whole fantasy. So the two peak times that yeah. these men might come out as pretending to be women is when their wives are pregnant, because that's joyful, yeah. or when their daughters go through puberty. Well, that's, uh, my, my, my wife's had four kids. Mm. Uh, you know, like... Trying to steal the thunder mm. when, during the pregnancy. I don't think that would have gone down well. No, I um, suspect it wouldn't. No. Uh, and, and it's, you, like you said, it's really selfish. Yeah, really. Really, really yeah, selfish. Yeah, but these compulsions are, they, they take over their lives. Um, and I, I'm not saying that it's any less selfish. I think selfishness and narcissism is part of the whole, yeah. it's part of the whole identity. No, I agree. Um, right, well, we'll leave that there. Uh, oh, I wish I'd got the Katie Montgomery tweets up now. I can't bear Colin. I, I never. <laughs> I should have just got a bunch of prominent trans people's Twitter accounts and just had mm. you roast each one. Uh, anyway, so uh, they lied about Nigel Farage and why he was debanked. Even Can you he believe? Told it? the truth. It was bad. It's really bad. It's worse. But, it's worse when you learn the truth. Actually, oh, it's so it's disgusting. And I, um, I think it was uh, Richard Tice that was saying that. He's now going to get a freedom of information to find out why his bank accounts have been uh, cancelled. And I, I think everybody should do it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. They, we bailed them out. Yeah. Like, yeah. We, we made sure they didn't yeah. They got their bonuses collapse. because I paid taxes. And now they're like, yeah, and Nigel Farage paid taxes. And now they're like, yeah, but you can't have a bank account with us. Because, I just feel like we own you, actually. Well, uh, honestly, I'm not against the nationalization of some of these banks. No. Uh, at this point. I, I actually don't care about them at all. I don't want to hear any free market BS no, these banks can uh, get the heel. Uh, but uh, anyway, before we go on, go and watch Dan's fantastic Brokenomic series uh, where he explains money and finances and the necessity of having a bank account in the 21st century because try living without one. Um, the was it the Prime Minister of Hong Kong got debanked and she had to walk around with like massive bags of money. It's wild. I mean, I just... I uh, what what I find interesting is that no matter what happens to someone, if you don't like them, apparently it's fine. Yeah. And and some people are so short-sighted that they don't realize, look, if you allow these things to happen, the next people in charge might hate you. Yeah. So, and I, I'm sure I'm preaching to the converted. You absolutely are, but carry on. But it's fine. It's just, I just think, look, freedom of speech, all these things, all these freedom things we talk about, it's not because it suits us. It's because it suits all of us, including yeah. our enemies and people that, you know, I'd probably like some people that I really loathe to have no money and no bank account and not be able to exist. Um, actually, that's not true. I don't hate anyone. Yeah, I don't, I don't actually feel that way about anyone. But you know? it's um, it, happening to him, uh, I think, when, and, and then people sort of discount, discredit him. And I'm like, look, he almost on his own 
convinced us to come out of the European Union. Whether you agree that that was a good idea or not, or whether it's worked or whether it hasn't or whatever, you cannot say that he isn't an important figure. He's one of the he's he, beneath Tony Blair. He's probably the second most influential political figure in twenty first century Britain. Yeah, I mean, we we changed our whole yeah. our whole way of doing politics, yeah. um, and I, I just I find it really quite uh, sinister when people are like, "Oh yeah, well he he deserves it." And you're like, oh, "I hope it happens to you next." Well, yeah, absolutely, but it's not going to because it never the blade only ever cuts one way, doesn't mm. it? But we it, know that banks are moral. Sorry to interrupt. We know banks are such moral bastions. They oh, yes. never invest in any dodgy things. There's no children in in mines in Africa. Yeah. Any bank has got anything to do with. Yeah, I, I'm not really a fan of taking lectures from bankers. No. Um, weirdly. But anyway, a few months ago, Farage uh, revealed that he'd been deplatformed a few months before that. Uh, with a, sorry, it was about a month ago now but with no explanation. And he believed his account was being shut down for political reasons as he was turned down by nine other lenders. And so the BBC decided we're journalists. You know what journalists do? They ask the people who have been accused, is this true? And then take their word at face value. And that's all they did. They, they say people familiar with Coots, uh, the, the bank is Coots, by the way, uh, Coots move said it was a commercial decision because the criteria for holding one of our accounts is to have at least a million pounds in the bank or three millions in savings. And Nigel Farage didn't, and he didn't dispute that. And so they've just taken him down. And it's like, well, that doesn't sound like because, I mean, Farage himself was like, well, I've, they didn't have a problem with it for the last decade. Yeah. Why would they care now? Uh, and the BBC were like, yeah, but that's our job done. No more investigating for us. Uh, we're journalists, you see. Uh, and he also argued that other banks have refused to take him on as a customer on the grounds that he is a politically exposed person, which is uh, a notion that has come from the European Union, uh, which implies that all oh, these people are risky, you know, possibly subject to bribery, things like this. No allegations have been made. You know, no one's alleging that, Rush, that Farage has taken money from Russia or China or something like that. Mm. But they could, so maybe it's that. And, uh, and so Farage was like, okay, well, that's a lie. I don't believe that's true. And they're like, no, 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 no. We don't need to look into this any further. Except that actually, um, there was a document released from Coots that the Mail Online got and published the entire thing. And this was their reason, internal reasons, for debanking Nigel Farage. It's quite remarkable. <sighs> the scary thing is how, like. We know that they've done a bad thing. We can all, uh, anybody who's not a, a complete and utter lunatic can understand what the implications of this are. But how did it happen? Like, did someone say, hey, do you know that Nigel, ba Nigel Farage banks with us? Oh, let's do something about that. Like, how did he become a topic yeah. of conversation? There, there, there's a committee in the bank. <clears throat> and the committee is staffed by woke people, actually. And in this, they say that... Um, Nigel Farage is perceived to be a racist grifter. And? Yeah, exactly. And there are lots of people who perceive themselves to be all sorts of things and perceive other people to be other sorts of things. Who so cares? are they saying there's no other there's nobody that banks with them that's remotely racist now? Who cares if they are? Well, I'm just that's saying yeah. I'm just saying if your if yeah. your position is that you get rid of someone on the basis that they're a racist grifter, are you now saying that nobody who's ever, I don't know, swindled people through sort of market mm. um, adjustments or whatever. Are you saying that none of them banked with you? Yeah. Because I would say... George Soros destroyed the pound in the early 90s. He probably has a bank account with them. Well, also, I would imagine that lots of people that have done some sort of insider trading type things who <clears throat> genuinely have defrauded yeah. people 
probably bank with them. Yeah. Yeah. Who ruin people. Yeah, like, like rich people, people. They, they manipulate stuff, yeah. right? And is that grift? I don't know. And I'm not saying that all rich people, not saying anything like that, but no, I think no, we no. know that there are mechanisms that people with a certain amount of wealth can use yeah. that I probably can't. Yeah, uh, but these people didn't retweet uh, transphobic Ricky Gervais jokes, whereas Nigel Farage did. I, <clears throat> I just, I just, look, it was the same when they took my billboard down. That you sort of, I, I just thought money talks. Money is quite an honest mechanism to oh, yeah. find out. Um, or rather, it's quite honest. It doesn't ask you for, for your backstory. It just, it, yep. it will just take your money. And so when they took my uh, billboard down, uh, the frightening thing was that, that actually a cold, hard business decision was made that meant it was bad for them to have that up. And that's the same as this. Yes. I mean, you can see it from the statement there. The committee did not think continuing to back Nigel Farage was compatible with Coots, given his publicly stated views that were at odds with our position as an inclusive organization. So this is... Ricky Gervais banks with them. I wonder who he banks with. Well, that's a great question. Uh, but the, the point there, uh, our position as an inclusive organization, as in we are woke, because that's what the word inclusive is a dog whistle mm. for, and Nigel Farage is not woke, and in fact is happy to um, violate the propriety of wokeness by saying trans women aren't women and maybe making jokes about them or being a quote-unquote racist, whatever that's supposed to mean. And so they literally closed this account because they're woke. They wrote that down in their own internal memo, in their own internal mm. meetings. That was the reason they gave to themselves. And BBC just accepted the lie on face value. Well, I would like to see someone who's very good uh, and very experienced in banking, who is not woke. I would like them to uh, show where Coots' money goes. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't go anywhere near any weapons. Um, <laughs> any... But that's fine, because it's not racist to bomb Palestinian children. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no. you know that's, that's not transphobic. And that's the only moral standard that they've got left at this point. Like, they're, they're, yeah. Imagine, like, literally, like arms dealers probably have bank accounts. Yeah, of course they you do. Know, like all sorts of terrible people, you know, third world bloody dictators probably have bank accounts with these people, people. who make cluster bombs yeah. have bank accounts exactly the, the idea that the banks are just smeared in evil are going to be like hang on a second we've got a particular way of gaining a moral high ground it's like I don't I don't take lectures from you people I was there in 2008 I was yeah. there when it was called a credit crunch before it became yeah. uh, a massive crisis yeah. before there were massive you, areas you had of screwed up out of your own greed mm. and ruined the housing market and nearly tanked the entire western economy Yes. You, and, and you're like, yeah, and you're saying, but Nigel Farage is a racist. He's a racist. Well, I, that's, I don't care. but wokeness is all about that, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's about surface level kind of virtue signaling as opposed to genuine goodness. Yes. Yes. It's absolutely about that. And it's about, and, and honestly, in 90% in of the cases of someone who's woke, it's really to cover up their own badness. Like mm. the previous, uh, the Sarah Baker example. Sorry, you're a weird torturer. Yeah. <laughs> but you're woke, so now you're a good person. No, you're a bad person. You should go and join a monastery or something. Mm. Go spend your life sat on top of a rock in the middle of the Andes, meditating about your failure as a human being. Well, like, but it's not just the individual, right? It's like it, we know that people are terrible. We know that that stupid people exist and evil mm. people exist. But it's it's everybody else. It's the cheers he got. Yeah. And it's the cheers that they've that Coots have got. Like people are like, yeah. oh, 
I'm, you oh. know, I'm for the, I'm for the people. I stand with the well, corporate bank. We'll get to that in a second, actually. Um, <laughs> in fact, we'll get to exactly that. Who's on the weird, who's on whose side here is just a very strange thing. But anyway, Nigel Farage wrote an article in the Telegraph, um, basically making the same points we have, saying, "Look, <clears throat> it's not about me. You could be next." We're sleeping into a China-style social credit system yep. in which only those with the correct views are allowed to fully participate in society. That's totally true. This can't be allowed to stand. You would think, oh my God, hang on a second. I'm a member of the Labour Party. I care about the average working person who may get debanked for saying something on social media. Therefore, I should stand shoulder to shoulder with Nigel Farage and be like, no, conservatives do something. And no, absolutely not. The left are totally okay with this. You'll notice it's only the right-wing papers, quote-unquote, who are like, oh, hang on a second, this is bad, isn't it? You know, lying over Nigel Farage, that's not good. You know, being woke lefties and debanking a political rival, that seems to be sort of third world behavior. Yeah. Sort of Brazil, we shouldn't be doing that. No, right? The only people who brought it up were people like Jacob Rees-Mogg, who actually raised in Parliament. Yeah. Uh, Grant Shapps, who is awful in every other way except for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then just lots of other conservatives. David that, Davis. Yeah, David Davis, Swella Braveman. Uh, people that Nigel Farage was retreating, it's just the Conservatives. Um, I, I did see uh, a Labour Party, uh, the Deputy, Deputy Secretary of State on GB News, saying, well, I mean, I, I forgot to put it in. Um, but, uh, but you know, Rishi Sunak came out and was like, this is wrong. Nobody should be barred from using basic services. Yeah, if only you were the, um, the PM. I know, and he sort it. of said, we will look into it. No, mate, <laughs> not we will look into it. Yeah. I will sort this out. This yeah. will not happen another day while I'm Prime Minister. It's like he thinks he's in the opposition. Yeah, but it's like yeah. he doesn't realize he's running the country. But uh, and Swella Braveman again, she's the Home Secretary. Could you do something about this? Like putting putting a, you know a, a, what I consider to be a morally correct statement. Yeah, it it is wrong that this has happened. Yeah, you are also the Home Secretary, the current sitting government's Home Secretary. But this is the problem, right? With the with current politics, everyone's more interested in not quite saying the wrong thing. So she hasn't committed herself to anything there. And I think, she, in her defense, she does say, I'm reviewing our policies at the Home Office. Oh, thank God. What review. about I'm going to make sure this can't happen to another citizen and we're going to correct it yeah. for Mr. Farage because what's happened to him is yeah. anti British. Yes, yes. And but, and but the thing is, then it would have to be, it's not just Farage, is it? Now it's like, you know, the really, the, you know, the really right wing people like Britain first or whoever, you know, mm. all of these people would have to get their bank accounts back. It's like, well, to be honest, they should. You know, I don't Unless they've done agree. something illegal yeah, exactly. against, against the bank's policy, then that's that's. I don't care if I like them or agree with exactly. them. They're entitled to have a bank account. And, and the way the way that the the world is going is essentially a bank account is going to have to become a human right. You can't, if you can't. Well, we're going to go cashless, and exactly. then you've got no. And then you've got no money anywhere. Exactly. So it's going to have to be that you essentially, you know, you get a bank account, you keep it for life, and nothing can happen to it, or else you're looking at systemic injustices. And it's got to be that way. Oh, it's you know? really scary. But it, it is really scary. But anyway, finally, the Conservatives did say they were going to do something. I okay. mean, they say a lot of things. So, you know, whether anything happened. But banks apparently face losing their license if they discriminate against customers based on political beliefs under plans being drawn up by the government, the Telegraph can reveal. The thing is, though, how easy is it to prove that it was political? Not very, right? Well, I guess if it's... Well... I guess it would be because what you could ask for is the, the legitimate reason with evidence. Hmm. So if I suddenly, if my bank suddenly cancels me tomorrow, then if I say to them, right, I would like you to show your evidence on, you know, maybe I was in my overdraft too long or whatever yeah. it is, or that I've taken money from Russia and you could prove it. 
Um, then other than that, like there should only be set reasons why they can cancel your sure. bank account. But like in this case, if Nigel Farage didn't have someone from Coots leak him the document, he wouldn't know. No. And the BBC would have reported, well, it was just this way. You know, it was just you didn't have a million in there. And Nigel, no, I had 600,000 or something. I don't know. You know, it was never a problem before. It's like, well, too bad. You know, and th there would have been no justice in this case. No. And if it was just a normal person, I mean, there were, there were other people who Coots mm. he banked. Uh, there was a, a Yorkshire um, pastor who was like, you know, who said something on social media about transgenderism or something. Uh, and they were like, no, you're gone. He doesn't have the same connections that Nigel Farage has. No. So he can't get the internal documents. So how yeah. does he know? Well, I mean, look, trying to deal with any provider of any service in this country is is like pulling teeth anyway. Yeah. So certainly if they've decided to close you off, um, they're not going to be talking to you. And nobody's going to say, well, you're a racist. Or actually, you said this about that. They're just going to... Often it's going to be computer says no. Yeah, that's exactly what it's going to be. And you're going to have no particular recourse. So it just has to be essentially prevented yeah. from ever really happening. It, it Really, what it should be is a legal mechanism done by the government, right? As in, they have taken money, they've taken a bribe from Russia or something. Okay, now it's a legal issue, and the the you know the government instructs the bank to take down that person's account yeah. for legal reasons. The bank shouldn't be allowed to just be like, yeah, we just don't like him. You know? Yeah, there should be a process. I, I agree. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, we'll leave that one there. Oh, uh, final thing on it, in fact. Uh, apparently, uh, payment service providers will also be told not to discriminate against customers on the basis of belief. Apparently. Whether this goes anywhere, whether the Conservative government actually do something with that 80-seat majority, no one can know. Um, mm. But at least Nigel Farage has done some good generally for people who are interested in talking about politics here. Yeah, absolutely. This is a really good, whether you like him or not, this is just good for the average person to have this stuff moving in this direction. Yeah. So good for Nigel. Well, the more they accuse him of things that I think are not true, the more I like the man, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I found that when I was like in 2015, 2016, I was a lot more left-wing than I am now. And uh, they were, oh, you can't like Nigel Farage, he's racist. But I was like, but whenever he speaks, I'm like, yeah, I agree with him. <laughs> you know, the EU is awful. Things are going terribly. He needs to change. I mean, he's not wrong. Uh, anyway, so um, Caitlin Moran is a feminist mm. and she's been a feminist for a long time mm -hmm. and i remember uh, many years ago like reading her feminist agitprop and thinking okay well you know i probably did videos in response to it and things like that mm. and she's You're a proud feminist yourself. <laughs> <laughs> i am and uh and she um has turned around on this um from the position of someone who has won the game and said, ah, maybe we should help out the losers. Uh, the losers obviously being men. And so now she's trying to understand why men are losing. And I just thought we'd go through some of it, because I think it's quite amusing. Go for it. Well, uh, before we begin, um, I think men and women are different. Uh, me too. Crazy. Mad. No, just uh, like, who knew? Yeah, uh, well, actually, that's a great question. Who knew? Uh, well, it turns out that 5,000 years ago, they knew, as the Sumerians uh, wrote an, uh, a story down called the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is um, really about two guys struggling with more mortality. Uh, and so it's very interesting how they knew, even back then, that men and women are different. And so we spent four hours talking about this, basically. But I'm really, it's sort of our epic of this epic. But it's a really great story, and I definitely uh, insist you go and check out our breakdown of it, because honestly, this is the best work we've ever done. I think. So anyway. Let's go on to Caitlin Moran. So Caitlin uh, says, 
Five years ago, she started saying this, right? It's five. So feminism has won that long ago, right? Feminism conquered the West at least five years ago, and it's been downhill ever since, frankly. Uh, but anyway, she says uh, the future of feminism should be women helping men. Well, I'm not a feminist, so I couldn't. I. It's just interesting, isn't it? Suddenly, it's like looking down upon the peasants. She's middle class, though. Mm. I would, I would say the future of feminism should be trying to eradicate the world of porn. Like, if you want to save society, <laughs> if you want to save relationships, that's a very conservative position. Well, if you want to save relationships, I'm, I'm not saying. Look. I'm a free speech absolutist. I think that um, when it comes to porn, I think there is a, a case to say that it is harmful, yes. both for those who view it and those um, who have to live amongst people that watch copious amounts of it. I think it's really damaging. It's the reason that Liz, uh, uh, Cardi B did WAP. Oh. Um, you know, it's a pornification of our culture. So I would say that maybe that would save men a lot quicker. It probably helped women as well. Oh, 100%. I, yeah. if, if they weren't just degraded yeah. into pornographic objects. Uh, uh, absolutely. And also, I think it would prevent, it would make girls think that actually there is a choice of how to woman. Mm. And that isn't either be some sort of um, porn star yeah. or uh, have your breast cut off and pretend that you're not a woman at all. Yeah. There, there's um, a healthy middle ground here, mm. which, um, again, it's, it's just very traditional to say you could be respectable and admired by men without being degraded by them. I think, I personally think this is her distraction to stop talking about the fact that so many men pretend to be women because she doesn't discuss it. She doesn't. But, you know, honestly, I think what it is is that she she's in her 40s now and she's got some sons and she's watching them grow up and she's like, hang on a second, everyone seems to hate my sons for being white and male. Mm. You know, I think that, oh, God, what's gone on? Hang on a second. You know, why, why are they being persecuted? And it's like, yeah, you never saw it until it happened to someone you care about but you were doing it your entire career, you know, and well, she admits this as well. Look, I talk to feminists a lot. I'm not one. Um, and they will say what they don't want men to be. And I'm like, okay, great. What do you want them to be? Like, what do Because I want my husband to go downstairs if there's a noise, right? You'd I'm like not him going. to be a man. Yeah, absolutely. And I want my sons to both Grow treat their girlfriends men. with respect. Yeah. So we've just been on holiday as a family and the two girlfriends of my sons are like 21 and 20 and their girlfriends came with us and they're respectful and lovely and um just really decent boys uh, but that's been really difficult because actually decent boys mm -hmm. from some groups of boys in school will if you're decent then you can deserve a kicking but you don't want to be you don't want to be feminine as a boy mm. you don't want to be weak no but you don't want to be you know where i don't know what we want from these young men although my kids have managed it but that's no, no. I think you're completely on the money. But notice that feminism doesn't know what it wants for women either. But it's actually got no life plan for women as women. It's got a life plan for women as kind of as aspirational men. Mm. It's like you need to become a CEO. You need to become mm. strong and independent and empowered. And you need to beat the boys at their own game. It's like okay, but what do women do as women? You know, how does that translate into the the kind of dress that a woman wears in order to command a room? You know, like, you know, the, none of none of the actual, like, uh, the textual as a woman emanates at all in feminism. And so it's no wonder these women are like, I'll become a whore then. So, well, it's also a big fat lie. Like, loads of the ways feminism talks about women. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just a lie when they say, oh, you, you know, some, some brave woman will come into a conversation. I couldn't wait to get back to work. Well, why do you have kids then? Like, like, as soon as they're six months old, oh, I was so bored at home. 
But you were doing it wrong. Get back in the cage, Wagey. <laughs> you know, like what? Yeah, exactly. I, I just don't, I just can't. Yeah, exactly. You're doing it wrong if literally sitting in front of a fluorescent screen and typing all day for someone else's profit mm. was your goal in life. Yeah. You know, that's not men's goal in life. No. Men do it because they have other reasons. Yeah. You know, they want to support their wife and kids and so they're prepared to make the sacrifice. It's not what they wanted. But also know? women who talk like that have great jobs. Mm. Well-paid, great jobs. They have email that is jobs. Not- that's what they have. They have jobs where they just email people. Well, yeah, probably. You know, that's, no, no, you know it is. I, I'm in HR. Well, they're not, they're not blah, blah, stacking blah. shelves, are yeah, they? Exactly. They're not doing a crappy job. And when I remember in the last election, everyone was like, hey, we'll support full-time childcare for six God. months. I'm like, that's horrendous. Yeah. Support the women to stay at home. Do tax breaks. Do something oh, that, that actually that'd helps. That would be wonderful. Because my wife stays at home and I'd love yeah. a tax break. Yeah, I bet you would. <laughs> I, I would, yeah. Studios. Yeah, I know. Jesus. You know, please, please, Tony Blair. Um, anyway. So she she basically says, look, women have feminism to help themselves, but men don't have any framework or network at all. So there's no way for men to sort of uh, cooperate and be men and support each other. So yeah, because feminism literally went out of its way to destroy it. I mean, that was exactly the first thing that feminism went after was working men's clubs because they're like, well, these are old boys networks, aren't they? And in a way, they're right. These are how men gain trust with other men in order to be able to do business with them. You know, you you become familiar with Frank, who's always in the corner, and you have chats with him. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I, I've got a thing that I'm doing." It's like, oh, I can help that, and and suddenly you've got this network, and yeah, that does exclude women. Yeah, but it's, that's what a male space is. Well, in some you of know? Europe, they've got saunas, as they call them. They've got saunas, and they're oh, yeah. like male only. So basically, you can have a good bonding thing. session with your penis out. But um, <laughs> but they are they they have women only sessions. They have men male only sessions, yeah. and I would imagine it's quite. I mean, I would. God, I'm too British. I would never in my wildest dreams do sauna sessions no, obviously. naked with, with anyone. But um, but there's something about that that's that tradition that's continued yeah. that maybe we never really had because ours was often around alcohol or sure, but, privilege. But we we had discrete locations that were for men and women. Yeah, you know, yeah. That, that and you know we obviously because we're British we weren't naked. Mm. Well, now they've got your channel, right? Oh, well, well yeah, basically. It's, it's a coping mechanism for the fact that feminism destroyed society and made everything unisex. It's like, but I don't want everything to be unisex. I, I, in many ways, I think there were some feminist goals that absolutely had to happen. Sure. 100% had to happen. There's some great things that happened. Sure. But it's almost like all other civil rights that it, it got to a point and then you weren't really fighting, like, you weren't really fighting something that you could see um, uh, that where you had an end goal. So, you know, do we want to eradicate strip clubs from high streets? I pretty much would. Yes, I think they're horrible. Um, that would be something. Mm-hmm. But to then sort of talk about rape culture mm. um, as opposed to, well, let's get rid of some elements of rape that we can see and name and then we sure. can say we've conquered, we've we've achieved that goal. I think it became... Uh, just far too loose. So, <clears throat> but it also yeah. became an industry. So it's people whose entire careers are being feminists. Yes. And now, I mean, what are they going to do? Find, be like, yeah, okay, well, job done, guys. I'm going to retire now. They're not going to do that. Well, because it was a dishonest <clears throat> industry as well, and it yeah. wasn't really built on proper values. Those yeah. same women who were supposed to be championing women's rights will now champion trans more rights. trans rights yeah. um, and also pimps. Yep. So they'll be saying sex work is work. They'll be yep. they they've got this new thing. A bit like Stonewall is now not really for gays and lesbians. Yeah, they never talk about gays anymore. No, I don't think a lot of feminism is really for women anymore anyway. No, but anyway, five years later, Caitlin Moran is still talking about this. 
So she's made some progress. Uh, she tweeted out <clears throat> five years ago, uh, hello, men of Twitter. Um, what do you think makes um, your man life difficult? And one reply, she says, came up time and time again. Is this a trick? Are you asking this so you can laugh at us? Is this a feminist trap? Are you going to retweet all of these with a reply, look at the men complaining about nothing, while women to continue to endure the, all the true suffering? Uh, and it's just very interesting how, like, that, I mean, that's something that feminists in particular have done for a long time. They've been utterly contemptuous of men as a class because they have looked at the board of, you know, a Fortune 500 company and gone, well, they're mostly men, aren't they? Therefore, men must just generally be doing brilliantly. And this very low resolution, uh, view of the world allows her to come to a conclusion like this. She says, boys and men have become so used to being the conversational whipping boy and punchline to jokes, they could not believe a feminist writer was genuinely asking them to talk about their problems. Who can believe it? Well, I think that's why um, the likes of, well, your success, Jordan Peterson. Andrew um, Tate and all that, yeah. Oh, no, not Andrew Tate. I can't touch that. Of course you don't like Andrew Tate. No, I don't like Andrew Tate. I don't Tate. like him either. <laughs> but I've, I've heard him, t look, I've heard, I've heard Andrew Tate talk um, uh, uh, literally about um, having sex with women and then and then using that against them to be. Yeah. Where, uh, he's an exploitative. I sort of had my doubts because people kept saying this stuff about him, and I was like, well, you know, maybe it's, it's the same as the the other stuff. Well, yeah, the same yeah, as maybe all the stuff they say about you, right? Yeah. So I was thinking, well, that's. Uh, I don't know if I buy it, and then I've just seen too much video evidence of stuff from his own mouth where I yeah. think, oh, you're everything that they he, say. he he actually is i mean he, yeah. he got rich running a brothel uh, but yeah so i'm i'm not i'm not but the point is but there's a vacuum right of decency. exactly well yeah it, it, and it's not it's not even decency really it's a vacuum of masculinity that is he is filling you know he is saying look i'm a macho man i've made loads of money i've got women under control i've got all these cars you know i have achieved the peak consumerist materialist life that a man is able of achieving at this point, basically you want to be like me. And a, a lot of young men are like, yeah, I want to live like that guy. So what is masculinity? Ah, well, that's a great question. Um, and we could probably not have the time to do it now, but we could definitely have a conversation about it another time. I would love to. Because it's something that I've been forced to understand. Um, but essentially, it is to be the person of last resort. And how do we? How does a man get to do that in 2023? I think that's the well, that's the ah, now that's the even deeper question, uh, because what you're asking there is how do we restore the position of honor that men once held, mm. that made them want to be the person of last resort? Well, another war might help. No, actually, I think <laughs> women knocking off feminism might really help. Actually, uh, women, because I mean, like, actually, you're very traditional in your view of what men should be. And what women should be, actually. I think most women are. Most I heterosexual are. women are. They absolutely are. And that's why heterosexual women need to say feminists piss off. Mm. Uh, because actually, I when there's a bump downstairs, I want my husband to go and do it. Yeah. I want him to want to go and do it. Yeah. You know? Uh, but do you think that the average millennial soy boy is like, oh, I can't wait to go down and find out what the problem is? No, probably not. Right. And so no. and and it's it's this degrading of the self-respect of men by women. That has what's that has brought us to this point, and why Caitlin Moran is just like, well, why don't we just give men feminism? Won't feminism help men? It's like no, feminism has been what has destroyed men to this point. And actually, if you want to ennoble them again, you have to say, well, actually, there is a place for men in 
a hierarchy that is actually at the top of the hierarchy. And that's proper and appropriate, actually. So you have to say, well, the man should be in charge of the, the company. Right? You actually kind of have to go down that road. And I realized I knew, I knew bringing this up would be um, something that would be unusual to say to you. Well, I have a few companies myself, and I well, certainly it, wouldn't have a man running sure, my company. That, that's just like a very broad way of describing what I'm trying to describe, right? But to, to say that it's appropriate for the man to be the breadwinner, for example. Well, you said something to me the last time I was here, and I did think about it all the way home, which was that women are attracted to men, and it's a money thing. So women want to be comfortable, etc. It's a status thing. And I was thinking, it, yeah, I was thinking status over anything else. So if, my, if I met my husband and he was a really successful artist, mm-hmm. but not successful with money, but just like everybody thought he was talented and wonderful yeah. and he was driven and ambitious, I would find that really attractive. Mm. Instead, he's got a great job and <laughs> fine. Um, but he didn't when yeah. I met him. And I, I remember thinking one day when I just met him and I fell head over heels in love and I was thinking... Would I like? Would I when he got in his posh car? I was like, would I have liked him if he was in a? If he was Fiesta? unemployed. No, I don't think I would. Of course not. No, right? because I don't think he'd have liked me either. Maybe not, but the and and this this is how it goes the other way, right? Because um, there are loads of women who write loads of articles going, "I earn a hundred thousand pound a year. I'm a, I'm the CEO of a Fortune five hundred company. Blah blah. Why don't why can't I find a boyfriend? And it's like because men would date a homeless woman. You know, if she fulfilled other criteria, you know, you're approaching it with a woman's criteria and saying, well, I fulfill all of the criteria that I expected, but men don't want that. It's like, no, men don't want that. Who told you they did? That they want to be needed. Yes. Men. Yeah. Men. And, well, and women want to be needed too, but we have different ways of fulfilling that. Absolutely. But men, but men also want to be respected in that way. Right. And so they want a woman who is financially their inferior. Um, so they, they want to be the person who is the person of last resort. When she's like, oh, I really can't afford to go on holiday this year. They can be like, well, actually, I can help with that. You know, yeah. uh, we can go on holiday this year. And she'll be grateful and thankful to him and she'll respect him and look up to him because he was able to provide something. And without that, men can't really become men. And so demanding this kind of gender parity and sort of unisex society is a barrier to men being the things that women want to date. Well, how about Thatcher then? Uh, well, Thatcher wasn't an attractive woman. <laughs> she was great. She, she, she I mean, was very I would, impressive, yeah. but I would never have gone out with her. You wouldn't have gone out with her? No. <laughs> that is an exclusive, people. <laughs> I would, yeah, I, I would never have dated Thatcher. Um, but I mean, I had a lot of respect for her, obviously. Mm. But it's, it's, you know, obviously this isn't like for every individual case. There are going to be, you know, those you know particular people who are differently inclined. But as a general rule, I think this is what men want. I think this is what women want as well. Yeah. You know, they want to look up to their men and think of them in, in, as respectable, right? Because that's what the social status is. Other people respect them, and so you can respect them as well. Yeah. You know? I guess men don't necessarily want people to respect their wives. They probably want them to like their wives. Well, I, I mean, I don't they mean definitely, respect in the status. Yeah, they, yeah they, definitely, they definitely don't want their wives to have high status. Um, they want themselves to have the status, right? But mm. they, yeah, they want them to be likable and to be seen as a package. Right? You know, that your wife is a part of you and the, and the sort of the thing that is your public persona. Yeah. I, suppose, you know? I mean, clearly nobody likes me. So my husband, my husband can't, can't uh, that's not a need that he has. <laughs> People will like his wife. But, you know, men, men are looking for a woman who will be a good wife, right? Rather than a good husband. 
And a lot of these feminist women are like, but I've become the husband. It's like, okay, great, good luck. You know, you need to find a wife. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's always quite uncomfortable and I, I, I appreciate and I would love to come back and maybe have a, a, a couple more sort of people and mm. have a really thrash out. What is it broadly mm. that we both require? Mm. Um, and also I've, I've talked quite often about, look, if you find someone that you fall in love with at 25, have children before you're 30. Oh, definitely. Like, don't wait until you're 35, 40 years old to have your kids. And then you have to, because I was 27, and then I was 34 when I had my last, so I've got four children. Hmm. But the beautiful thing is that my husband and I are still be quite, like, young enough to have a really great life when they all leave. And actually, at the moment, it looks like they'll all stay. <laughs> and we'll be paying for all of them and yeah. all of their kids and everything forever. Um, but, yeah, there's there's... There's a lot of women that think you can fit it all in and it's just a big, fat lie. You mm -hmm. just can't. And most of us want to be great mothers um, unless you've got this uh, an amazing career and you can probably afford to put things in place that mean you get to do both. But that's very few people. But that's the thing about feminism, isn't it? It, it treats motherhood as a kind of obstacle to the actualization of the woman. Yes. And it's like, no. Like, I've never met a woman who doesn't actually want to have kids. Even those ones who say, I don't want to have kids. Mm. Because, of course, you know, when, when me and my wife take our newborn, you know, I've got a three-month-old baby at oh, the moment. You don't even look tired. I ask because uh, I have a wife at home. <laughs> um, but, like, whenever, you know, you meet one of those sorts of women, you can see that nature is, like, mm. saying, look, you know, there's, there's a pull inside of you that when you see a baby and you don't have a baby and you're coming on 40... Yeah, I'm not buying it. I'm not. I'm not buying it. And I know far too many women that then get past the point where they could have children and yeah. they regret it. Yes. And I don't know. Like it's supposed to be some a taboo that loads of women regret having children, but don't talk about it. I think that's absolute lies. I don't believe it. Um, clearly, some people aren't cut out to be mothers, and that maybe they shouldn't have had children. Sure, but that's going to be a small percentage. A very small percentage. And actually, it's for most people who have children. Your life goes from one thing to that the second my son was born, my life was forever changed for the better by a million percent. Yeah, that's that's another thing, isn't it, as well? Because the the this um reluctance for women to have children seems to be a desire to live in an extended adolescence. Mm. Like they fail to understand that no, 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 look, the, there's a path to every human life, and there always has been since the very beginning of time. Because when you as you age, you enter into different phases of your life. And you become a different person. When you become a parent, you're not the adolescent. When you become uh, old enough that the, the children leave or that you become a grandparent, you enter again into a new phase of your yeah. life. And you need to come to terms with it. You know, this is why, I mean, you know what Madonna looks like now, right? It's horrific. It's horrific looking at Madonna's face. It's like you, you couldn't let your youth go. And now you're a freak, you know? I know. And it's such a shame. It's such a shame. I mean, look, she's always... She's always been, yeah, Madonna, but like, but come on, it's like what, what, where she's got to now, it's like, granny, please stop, you know, just please stop. Yeah, it's you know? pretty horrific. Yeah, but, but this is the thing. Feminism has got nothing in the way of a life plan for women. And all it can do with men is stigmatize them. And so men aren't allowed to have their own life plan because it upsets the feminists who are for some reason in control of bloody everything. Yeah. Well, I guess any ideology, whether it's feminism or trans activism even like whatever ideology 
you need to have a goal where that is a final point yeah. that you've achieved what you set out to do. What's the victory condition? Yeah. And, and I would say at the moment, feminism of old used to be like, hey, there's, there's an obstacle. Let's find a way around it. Oh. Feminism now is like, there's an obstacle. Wow, there's an obstacle. Oh, look at the obstacle. Oh, there's an obstacle. That's it. But also, there's there's just no limit to the obstacles, right? It's like they don't know what they're asking for. So we want equality of men with men. It's like, well, now you're superior to men. I mean, yeah. this is what Caitlin Moran's entire thesis is. Well, hang on a second. I mean, she literally, in fact, I've got a couple of clips. We'll play a couple of clips just because uh, they're genuinely hilarious from like the position of the surf man who doesn't understand why his betters don't realize that they're his betters. Let's watch. The problem that boys have is they don't have the ladies' toilets. Like, that's the main strength that women have. If you go into the ladies' toilets, if you've got any problem, you can talk to a complete stranger and they'll be like, here's a tampon, you should leave him, give me a hug, let's go for, on the dance floor. That's not happening in the men's toilets. No. And that's the microcosm of where, the difference between being a man and a woman. We talk about our problems. We do. We come up with solutions. Boys feel they've got to keep quiet or just be cool or just banter. They can't have that kind of, I'm in trouble, help me, that girls do. That's true, the banter thing things true and yeah. it was so in I mean, again you know when I was reading this that thing of when you were saying if when men go out with one another and they come back and you say to them well how's you know what uh, the house move is that going well yeah. um, what about the wee dog that wasn't well what about the wee girl that was ill and they go what are you talking about yeah I'm like you've been with that fella for four hours why did you not find exactly. things out what have you been talking about for the last four hours I don't agree with her at all. I had workmen in my house they mm. all oh how's your mum oh she's still in the wheelchair when she's coming out of hospital they were really supportive and lovely to each other. They had really lovely conversations. And also... Can I... Can go I, on. I? Yeah. That's because there's a woman present. No, no, no. This was this was the three of them. This was nothing to do with me. I didn't yeah, but, talk about their parents. But you were present to see it. Right? Oh, because otherwise, if, if there's no woman in it, the house, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, having yeah. a it's, different conversation. Yeah. Every gendered space becomes very different when one member of the opposite gender is introduced mm. to it. It becomes very, very different. And she's not wrong though, right there, where she's like, well, men don't have these spaces away from women where they can actually be themselves. And so, but but notice how she's just like, well, you need to have a woman's toilets and, and talk about your feelings. Like that's not how men process anything. But then they would be women. Well, so exactly. like, what do we, you can't save men by making them women. Exactly. But that's literally the only framework that she's got because she doesn't understand that actually men are different and they have their own sort of hierarchy of how things are supposed to be done. Like they never understand why boys fight. Like they do not understand why boys fight, but boys know why boys fight, and boys know why they become friends after they fought. You know, and this is totally alien to a woman's mind. Suicide rates, and you might not know the answer mm -hmm. to this question: Are they worse in twenty twenty three, twenty two for men than they were in the nineteen twenties? Uh yeah, definitely. Suicide rates just been going up. And is that? That can't be to do with well, it might be to do. You might argue it's to do with feminism, but um, men certainly aren't talking less. And they are we saying that men talked more or had um and I don't mean talk share problem and men, men feel suicidal when they feel useless. Right. Right. Okay. Power, powerlessness is the worst thing for a man to experience. Because women live in a kind of social web where all of the circumstances of the society are kind of geared to helping women at all times, right? And there there have been uh, women who have transitioned to become men uh, who uh, and we covered this again a couple of weeks ago. That they feel lonely and afraid because there's no one to help them because men are expected to do everything and help themselves, right? But then that's, but then that's what you want. Yeah, no, no, that's completely yeah. wrong, right. But with that comes a form of honor that feminism deliberately stripped away on the basis that they're men, right? So men 
would have been self-reliant or work together in, in small and trusted groups to achieve certain things in order that people could rely on them and they would be respected for being reliable, right? And so when in the 1920s you have this kind of society, men are fine with us, what they want. But now that you don't have that, the men aren't relied on for things. They're not allowed to achieve these sort of positions of honor and they feel lonely and useless and not worthy. And so eventually you do just kill yourself. So what's worse for men, the, the recession of manufacturing jobs in this country, which means like regular men were going and building and making mm -hmm. and, and using their physical um, power in order to do stuff, or feminism? Because I, I wonder actually whether the, t the change in structure of our society and jobs mm -hmm. where, you know, in a car factory where you had to lift heavy stuff, there, mm -hmm. weren't, there weren't a lot of women. So those were male-only spaces. Yeah, yeah. And the, these were good for men to have. Yeah. It's very good for the men. The manufacturing, you manufacturing, could argue, yeah. it's really... Uh, well, the, the, yeah, and, you know, um, suicide rates always go up in a depression because the men realize that they can't provide for their families like they feel expected to do so, and then they kill themselves because they feel powerless. And that's, that's not good, obviously. But to have that as being the norm in society where they don't even need to provide for people is actually really bad for men. Really bad. Really bad, yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's the purpose in life for the average man. Yeah. But that's how they get, that's, and, and that's why uh, not allowing men to see their children after a divorce it crushes them. Because, mm -hmm. so, well, hang on a second, they, those people are supposed to rely on me. Yeah. And now they don't rely on me at all. Family courts are horrendous. It's horrific, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, these, and, and these ladies do not understand any of this. You know, they, all they can do is say, well, why aren't men being like women? And in fact, the, I've got one more clip. Yeah. Oh, Andrew Tate, yeah. The rise of Andrew Tate, these boys who like, who have just heard people for the last 10 years going, typical men, like yeah. like typical straight white men. And so mm. someone like Andrew Tate goes along and goes, no, be proud to be a boy. Boy should win. And mm. suddenly you see these boys being radicalised. And it's so toxic. I mean, it's like what you see in the book. We've got Beyonce and men have got Andrew Tate. Yes, you I know. And, and, that's, that's, and we're winning. So I understand why boys say, you know, women are winning. It's poisonous. But. Wow, I don't like Beyonce very much. I think she's terrible for women, but there you but, go. But look at the look at the attitude. Andrew Tate says boys should be winning, and she's like, oh, that's so toxic. No, boys should be winning. Boys should win. Men should win. Mm. Like the most like the most manly thing a man can do is win in a battle. You know, literally fighting on a war. You know, that that's dying in battle, that's the most manly thing a man can do. And she's like, Oh, that's toxic. No, of course, you as a very privileged, posh woman think that's toxic. But actually, that's what young men dream of. But don't, to be fair, don't what don't most people want to, I mean, maybe women aren't so competitive. I'm quite a competitive woman. You are unusual, I think, in that <laughs> regard. But most women are not as competitive as men, and everyone knows this, you know. Yeah, which mountains is of literature. fine. Um, yeah, exactly. What do we, do we want them not to win? Like, yes. that's the well, alternative. She, said, she said, no, that's toxic. That's yeah. bad. You know, and it's like, no, boys should win. They should compete, and we should have healthy competitions. Yeah. You know, they should be playing a lot of sports. They should be doing whatever. Yeah. You know, and it it's because of, this feminization where it's like, oh, no, competition's bad. But Andrew Tate's like, no, boys should win. Jo Williams, I'm sure you're familiar with her work. She's written about the feminization of education. I'm not familiar with that. She's, she writes for Spiked. Right, right, right. So she's pretty great. Mm. I think you'd love her. I probably what would, she's, yeah. What she's written about. But the feminization of education, which is all the, mm. the taking away competition yeah. and, and boys having to sit down for long spells, sit still yeah. for long spells in education and as opposed to going out and touching stuff and 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 just the, the to make uh, to education used to be gender segregated 
and probably was better for it if the decline in standards. Girls did better. Boys probably did. I mean, look at the standards that we're under now. Like the, the results coming out of schools. It's terrible. My 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 oldest daughter um was failing in a, a her maths class. Something. I was like, okay, well, what's what's the average in the class? And it was something like eighteen percent in this entire class, where the pass was supposed to be sixty five. And it's like, yeah, oh my god. One of my kids did a college course, and at the end of it, he didn't pass because they'd allowed him to change his final project, right? right. And so um, I phoned them and I was like, you, you failed, you failed him. And you yeah. didn't, at, at no point have you reached out and said, hey, did you know he's changed his mm. project to me? And we were sort of talking to him about it, but I have no idea that it was going to penalize him. And they, I said, how many other kids didn't get? And they said, oh, we're really proud. 40% got through. And I went, so you failed oh, over half the class. 40%? I like, oh, God. I said, how can, you, how can you say that with confidence? It's I'd mad, be embarrassed. It? Yeah. But, the, but this is the thing. So, like, essentially men need to compete. They are different to women. And they need to be respected for winning, right? And mm. feminism, these women, they view that as toxic. And that's really unhealthy. Uh, and so I'm just, uh, basically, they do not understand men. And their attempts to help men. Uh, li- literally, um, one of the one of the things she says in a previous article, right? She says, uh, "Those wives, mothers, sisters, daughters, and friends need to tell men your problems aren't boring. It's okay to make a fuss. We won't c- accuse you of emotional man flu. We love you and worry about you. Please use these tools, feminism. We have invented to solve your problems. Now it's like that will destroy men even worse than it already has. I teach my kids just to be." bloody stoic yeah like sort yourself out if you come up with a problem i'm not saying if they want to talk to me about something i would shut them down i absolutely wouldn't i think we have quite a healthy kind of uh you you try and solve your own problem you come up with your own solution and when you've tried to do that then you can seek help or you can talk to someone about it but you know not every five i don't not every five minutes is about, are you happy? Are you happy? Are you happy? Yeah. Are you happy? Like, no, you won't be. But it's not just that. Men and women process problems differently. I mean, a lot of the time, men, and I speak from personal experience, but also from a lot of my friends, uh, when your wife comes to you and she complains to you about a problem, she doesn't actually want you to propose solutions. No. She just wants to be heard, mm. right? Because, you know, maybe it's something you can't solve or something like that. But that's not how men work at all. And so what she's saying is, men, why don't you just talk your feelings out? It's like, because that's not how it works. What you want, and what, this is what normally happens, is when you have like a sort of brotherhood of young men who are friends, really close friends, they'll solve each other's problems. They'll, they'll actually fix the thing for you. And then that's how you show that you care about each other. It's not the same. It's totally different. And they don't understand. They're just going to hurt men even more. But uh, anyway, we'll leave that there and we'll go to some comments. Uh, Battle Bat says, Kelly, what a treat. Always love you. See you next to Carl. Thanks for all you do. Oh, well, you're very welcome. And Lord Nerevar says, happy Tuesday, uh, Thursday, everyone. Good to see Kelly J here as well. I'm graduating university today, so I'll see you on the other side. Well, congratulations. congratulations. Uh, Base Ape says, the definition of trans rights is based on a flawed view of progressive rights. Uh, the idea that people have rights unless someone on a higher, a higher on the social stack usurps their rights. Religious people have the right to freedom of religion unless a gay person wants cake, then the higher social class usurps that right. Women are higher than men on the social stack, so women have a right to privacy from men, but trans women are higher than women, so the trans rights person allows them to usurp the rights of women. I would I would hope that men also have the right, uh, it, when they're in a state of undress, to be away from women as well. Um but we know that the, the it's not so much of an issue that comes up. The risks are different anyway. Yeah, but like yeah, w- women aren't clamoring to get into the men's changing room. 
most women on the sight of a naked penis, if they walk through a men's changing room, would do that. Yeah. There's not too many men walking through a, a changing room of naked women that would do <laughs> no. Well, they would to be respectful, but, you know, it depends how old the women are, I guess. Yeah, but most of the time, it's it's a totally different dynamic. Yes. Um, Brian von Warhawk says, this guy tortured, assaulted people and called for more violence. He belongs in Arkham Asylum, but instead he's running for a position in your government. It's a madhouse. It is. Ben Shapiro, my wife and I have a simple trick to avoid confusion. When she's got a problem she wants to talk about, I ask her directly whether this is a conversation in which she wants me to listen or whether she wants me to fire off solutions that actually works quite well. Well, I'm sure it works quite well for Ben Shapiro, but most of the time she just wants to be heard. Yeah, and also Ben Shapiro, I would imagine the speed at which he talks, if his wife wants to have a nice, quiet conversation, um, I'm sure he does have to clarify. But also, I do like the man. I, I like Ben Shapiro, but it speaks to him. I mean, he's definitely autistic. Yes. Right? And that speaks exactly to his autism because a regular man will be able to see and just judge from the yeah. the, the way that his wife is approaching him. Uh, you know, is she actually annoyed by something that oh, like the light thing's fixed? You know, can you fix it? Or is she just want, trying to get something off her chest? Yeah. Um, you know, develop the skill, gentlemen. It's not that hard. Mm. Um, uh, Ethelstan says, the only positive to all this crazy degenerate immorality is it should hopefully red pill more of the public. Seeing the double standards and the obvious obfuscation of our political elites and mass media can only make people doubt the other things that we have always been told to believe and agree with. Uh, this may also just be a cope as we are on the precipice of civilizational collapse. Well, that's uplifting. But yes, I agree. Yeah. I think most of us, we come to an issue that we have a firm understanding of what the truth about that issue is. And, and then when we see everyone else go against us and the media and yeah. everybody else, then that's certainly what happened with me. Which is why I'm going to get you agreeing with the death penalty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wigan Survivalist says, I've always wondered what living in North Korea is like, and now we're living it every single day. Well, it's not as bad as North Korea, but the problem is we're on the same train, right? We're going oh, the same direction. Yeah. yeah. I really hate it, um, and it really bothers me. Uh, Omar says, You know what? I'll let it slide that wrong thinkers like Farage get debanked and unpersoned as long as murderers, rapists, pedophiles get the same or worse treatment. Yeah, that's another great point. Like, the. Rapists and pedophiles keep their bank accounts. They're still on Twitter. Well, they're still look, on YouTube. We know that people would rather you be a rapist than a racist. It's weird, uh, isn't it? or even to have any guilt by association connection with anybody that said something moderately racist. Uh, obviously, um, it's better to cape for racists uh, for rapists. So yeah, it's just mad, though, isn't it? Like, mm. It's genuine. Like the the grooming gang scandal. It's just. I just can't get over how literally it was a question of values. What is worse, raping a teenage girl or being racist to Muslim rapists? Can't even imagine why it's quite a clearly yeah, race, well, you, clearly racist. Obviously, you know, <laughs> think of think of the the real victims of the grooming gangs, which is the Muslim community. Like I know, and even even when um, uh, people have done wrong, like blow up people on buses in London, the first thing that many people did was say. Don't be racist. Like yeah. people have just been blown up. Not many people said, "Oh, well, that's all Muslims." Like very few people said, "Well, that's the whole of you know that's that's um, Muhammad down the road. He's also to blame." Nobody was talking like that. No. Yeah, that was the first concern often when something like that happened. Yeah, it's mental, isn't it? Yeah, it just it really worries me. I think that yeah. breeds more racism and contempt for people of any identity than than actually anything else would. If you keep telling people, no matter what that you can't 
speak about something because it's about a certain group of people, then that builds resentment and then you basically invite racism. No, I think so. And and also you're denying the reality of the thing as well. Mm. Like it's not a coincidence that like 90% of the people arrested in these grooming gangs have been Pakistani Muslims. No. It's not a coincidence. No. You know, come on. Yeah. But every time I talk like that, I'll say, look, grooming gang, and we know that pedophile priests are most likely white guys sure. over the age of 50. But it's a different... We know that scout leaders are white guys. Yeah, it's a different thing, though. Yeah, and, you know? and football club coaches, we know they're white guys. But yeah. we can say all of that. But once you say the majority of men arrested for grooming gangs in this country were Pakistani Muslim, people have to go, yeah, but that's not most of the pedophiles. No, it's not. That's not it what was. I just <laughs> yeah. But yeah. This this is a weird like demographic of pedophiles that the government for some reason are afraid to touch. Yeah, like, arrest them all, hang them all. You know, God. Anyway, uh, Alpha of the Beta says at least Sarah Jane Baker accepted her arrest like a man. <laughs> Gently, yeah. Gently. Yeah, I was going to say actually, you know, it was very feminine to be honest. Like, if that were me, they would have been arm behind my back and really marching me out. Oh, are you comfortable? Yeah. The- I got arrested for speaking during lockdown when we did social distancing and yeah. everything, and I got arrested in Leeds. And not once did they say, are you comfortable? Is that okay? Are the cuffs too tight? As they led me into the back of the van. Well, you're a tough. He was probably thinking, God, I don't really want to punch her. <laughs> <laughs> so, awful. I mean, it, it was great. It was all live streamed, and they yeah. forgot to switch my phone off, so it was... Joyful. It was a good little income on Super Chats. Uh, that's good. Uh, Matthew Hammond says, how would feminists actually help men? It's like, well, they would help them to become women because that's all they know. Yeah, maybe we need more of a more of a male, female kind of, we just want to make the, we just want to make it a better, more truthful situation for everybody. Maybe that's what we need. Not someone going, yeah. well, well, I'm going to help men now. Well, why don't we just, why, would, why don't we ask men? Well, I, th- I think your point earlier was uh, the really good one. Was, okay, we need a positive vision for what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman. You know, what, what you know, and, and this isn't going to be, and, and this is another thing as well. Like, oh, well, you asserted something positive, but every single one? No, not every single one, just a general mission statement. Yeah, yeah. It would be good if you got married in your 20s, had children, and the man earned a good wage. The wife was able to raise the children well. And you went on holiday once or twice a year. You could afford the things you wanted your kids to have. They'd yeah. grow up. And that would be a wholesome, healthy society, you wouldn't decent, it? You get, yeah. get an actual decent wage. Yeah. Skilled. And then you get some guy coming along. Oh, no, but I'm a, I'm a weird freak. It's like, and then don't do that. Then yeah. don't do that. Yeah. You know? the, My wife and I do it differently. Yeah, well, okay, are you happy? Brilliant. Great. Yeah, yeah. Great for you. Exactly. But most people aren't weird freaks. And so we're not going to attack. We're not going to take your bizarre no. circumstance and apply that to everyone else you know it's it's mental but this 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 was the sort of just traditional way that this country worked mm. you know the marginalized people didn't get to dictate to the normals no. what they should be doing well yeah well here we are here i we know are. i know joyful um derek says remember that the crowd that are always perceived as being attacked and therefore they are merely acting in self-defense rather than provoking violence from the start mm. Well, I've been in the middle of a mob. I'm yeah. Well so tell me before we end. Tell me um, about the the uh, soup. What the whole incident? Well, just give me a brief overview. So, uh, so I arrive at the thing. I had. Where were you? Uh, so I was in New Zealand in Auckland, and when I woke up in that. So as I'm flying into New Zealand, um, I get a message from my PA to say that they've cancelled my hotel because the police had gone to the hotel. Right. So I lose my bookings. Then we get another hotel which does seem to be in the middle of Woke Central. Anyway, I go in the hotel and I often do secret silent guest mm-hmm. 
and um, which means that not many people know that I'm there and I use a discreet yeah. entrance. Anyway, so I go into this hotel, wake up the next day, I've got a note under my door saying, we know you're in here, basically, a little violently threatening note. Under my Jesus, door. all right. So, um, and we'd offer, we also had uh, numerous security groups saying that they wouldn't protect us. Right. So then I get to the event and it's huge. I mean, I thought there's a couple of thousand. There have been reports that it's 5,000 people in that place. I don't want to exaggerate. Let's just say it was two. Um, and let's say out of those 2,000 people, probably uh, 1,990 of them, 1,990 of them hated my guts. So I get to the middle, where, which is like a bandstand. And I'm assuming, because mm -hmm. I've been led to the middle and I'm getting kicked as I go through the crowd, that the police are in the middle, right? So I'm assuming there's a police line. Nope. And then it just builds and it's all sort of on um, my channel if anyone wants to watch it. And it builds and then they start kicking down the um, divisions between us and them. Right. And they're all coming forward and this tomato soup guy comes up and just tips it on my head and over a, another woman called Tanya, who's a Kiwi, um, and a bit over the security and it just ups the ante and then the next minute the, my security just looks at me and goes, the police aren't coming. So oh. we've been begging for the police to yeah. come to get me out. The police aren't coming, which is it's like something from a it's like something from a movie. Yeah. And then they all gather around me with their sort of locking arms, and we have to charge through the crowd. And at one point, I get pushed. We all get pushed, and I go sort of forty five degrees. And I'm thinking, if I hit the floor, yeah. I ain't never getting up. I'm never going to see my husband and kids again. It's like game over. I, I'm going to die. A bunch of crazy Kiwi trannies are going to beat you to death. Yeah. Mad. Well, I thought they'd. I mean, we've seen football crushes when it's yeah, yeah, not yeah. Um, sort of full of animosity and aggression, but these were these people Hate had it. signs like stomp a turf, stomp a Nazi, and I'd been called a Nazi. Um, yeah. And I'm just about to sue John Pasuto, who's the head of the Liberal Party and, uh, and their state broadcaster in Australia. Mm. And then I'll go for the New Zealand state broadcaster who said that I, I, did, I did that on a zip. I did that. Mm -hmm. And they said I did a white power signal. And they put that on their news. Before I, I, and I was also stopped at the border. Oh, right, because they, they thought you were doing the okay sign. Yeah, so I was, I just, I was messing with my zip as I was yeah. talking. Um, but that's not a white power sign anyway. So. I don't even, I, I, yeah, I heard no, it was no, a 4chan kind it of is, funny, it is, yeah, it's hilarious thing. Um, so then the state media had just built up. They tried to block me from entering the country. I mean, me and my ego, we did really well because I didn't realize I was important at all. But they tried to stop me two hours at immigration. Um, and. It was uh, it was insane. And then I, I'm in armed police protection. I couldn't even be named in the police station. I was in a I was in an interview room normally for kids with two police protecting me in the police station. Um, and only them and the senior officer knew that I was there. And then I got a secret transfer and a police car this to is the mad. airport. I know. And then I had three armed police escort me through the um, airport until I got on my very nice flight. Um, and took off and they said that they wouldn't leave until they saw the plane take off because it was understood that I was in so much danger. I mean, I knew New Zealand was an insane hive of wokeness mm. and Chinese money, uh, but I didn't realize how bad it was. Oh, just, yeah. What was lovely, though, is that one of the police officers taking me to the airport, he was like, I'm such a big fan. He was like <laughs> quite a young guy, yeah, he was yeah, like yeah. 24. Um, and... 
The same with the Nazi salute in Australia that happened in Melbourne, and yeah. the same as in New Zealand. The more they tried to make me out to be the bad guy, the more people were like, well, who is she? And then I get so many letters all the time saying we had no idea what was going on in our country. The government has just kept us totally in the dark. And now we know what's going on and we fully support you and um, we've woken up. Yeah. So. so at least it has its um, positive. Yeah, so I'm going to go back to the court case. Hmm, good luck with that. Um, right, um, we are out of time there, I'm afraid, folks. So, uh, Kelly, where can people find more of you? Um, YouTube, Kelly J. Keen, Twitter, at the Posey Parker. Best places. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks. It's been tremendous fun. And uh, thanks, folks. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then.